welcome to episode 37 of the Daniel Yoris Podcast with today's guests, Peter Zemis and Stephen Campolo. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm here with a couple familiar faces, some beautiful faces. Stephen and Peter, what's up, boys? What's up, man? We miss you, baby. Yeah. I know. I miss the sun. What's what's it like down there right now? It's already like it's already cold here. Like just just give me let, let me reminisce a little bit. It's terrible. It's um probably about eighty degrees. Um, you know, just the sun shining. It's it's getting too uh just getting a little too much. I might have to move north. You know, just this beautiful <laughs> weather gets very exhausting. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. We'll 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 switch then. I'm I'm down for that. <laughs> Uh, well, we're here today to talk about a lot of things, as always. Um, the main thing is the book that you've guys got coming out. Um, well, this podcast will come out on Monday, so the book is coming out on Tuesday, October... What number is it? Fifth. Yeah. Tuesday, October 5th, um, 77 Laws of Six-Pack Abs. So thanks for coming on to talk about it. Um, if anybody wants a little background story on Stephen and Peter, we did an episode each uh, together. Stephen's was episode 24. Peter's was episode 25, so go back and listen to those. Um, but other than that, let's get into it. What do you guys, what do you guys been up to Steven's shoulder, sur- shoulder surgery? Dude, I had, uh, yeah, you could probably see it if, if you're watching this on, um, on, on YouTube or, uh, if you see the video, you can see, I have my, my shoulder still stitched up a little bit. So I had a, uh, I had my, a, a torn labrum. So the doctor had to go in to give me a scope, a good old fashioned scope where they go in with the cameras and, you know, kind of clean up my shoulder. Um, and then when he got in there, he's like, oh, by the way, you have a torn bicep at the, at the shoulder joint, which I kind of knew going into it because I'm like, I was experiencing pain for the past year and the pain hit overnight. So I knew it wasn't like a gradual injury, but it was like an injury of something I did. And, you know, sure enough, he had to go in, repair it, cut me open. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm on the mend about another four weeks of, um, you know, just letting it heal, no upper body. So my legs are freaking huge right now. Only training legs twice a week. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. That's awesome. But other than that, man, thank God everything is good. For sure. Yeah. The, the, the complete opposite of, uh, bro style training, only legs, no arms, no upper body, nothing. I'm sure that's going to be fun. Day, every day. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> what about you, PD? What's your, uh, what's, what are you working towards right now? Fitness wise? Uh, just chilling, you know, writing a new book or two, um, outside of the fitness space. So keep that, um, kind of quiet for now in terms of what the topics are, but we'll do another podcast and kind of discuss it. Uh, other than that, you know, working on my tan still, I gotta, gotta keep it up with Steven here. <laughs> yeah. You're still, and, uh, you're still ahead of Steven. Never mind. <laughs> he has that beautiful Greek olive skin. Yeah. I'm just over here looking like a snowman, and, and I live in Florida year, uh, year round. It's kind of pathetic. We were yeah. on the beach yesterday, and Stephen started complimenting my skin. <laughs> hey, man, I give credit where credit's due. Exactly. I mean, you guys are just continuing to get more tanned, or at least maintaining. And I and I think I've lost. I think I've lost all of it. I mean, I did I did decent when I was down there, but it's gone now. <laughs> you gotta start doing that that paint on tan at home every morning. Yeah, I think I just got to come back to Florida. I think that's I think that's really think, the solution here. It's probably a good idea. You know, Grimaldi's is waiting. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the bulk for real now. I'm finally actually gaining weight, so everything's good. I could eat nice. a little more pizza than last time. So it's nice. Uh, yeah. Well, when I'm home next weekend, we'll uh, it'll be a good good bulking weekend for Thanksgiving. Yeah, absolutely. Canadian Thanksgiving for all you American well, listeners real, out there. Real, real Thanksgiving. Yeah. Not well, the, yeah. I mean, American I Thanksgiving, not the case. I would argue that American Thanksgiving is the worldwide like symbol of Thanksgiving, but I know either Thanksgiving too. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll roll with you on that one, Stephen, like football on Thanksgiving on American Thanksgiving is way better. So it's American Thanksgiving. When I was, is living, more fun. When I was living in Toronto two years ago, I hit up Canadian Thanksgiving in October 
And then I flew back to the States and had American Thanksgiving. And I got to say, it was a complete power move. And um, <laughs> I would love to do that again, maybe next year. Yeah. Doubling up on the holidays. I'm sure that that goes, that goes really well with, uh, with getting shredded right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, no, not actually not so much. I probably need 10 pounds within that month. It was fun while it lasted. Yeah. You're, you're on a pretty, uh, a pretty solid cut right now. No, Steven. Yeah, man. So, um, I decided to take this opportunity of like, after my surgery, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to be able to train upper body for the next like six weeks, probably. Um, so I'm like, you know, I could either cut back on my training and use it as an excuse to, you know, gain weight, even though that's not, you know, what I would want to do. That generally is what happens when people get injured. You know, they don't work out as much, their activity levels down. So they gain weight. So I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep myself accountable. I'm going to keep myself accountable to my audience, you know, on social media. And I'm going to post my weight every single day. I'm going to do a 30 day, like get lean challenge and yeah, just stay accountable to it. So it's been awesome, man. I mean, we're going this upcoming Tuesday is going to be uh, two weeks. I'm down, I think like six pounds, about six or seven pounds already. So moving at a pretty good clip. And um, it's really cool getting people involved too. Cause like a lot of people are kind of seeing what it's like to, you know, cut, you know, weight fluctuations, you know, some days my weight will be up two pounds, some days will be down four pounds, like the human body is very fickle. And I think it's really cool for people to see that firsthand, like, oh, it's normal if I step on the scale, and I gain three pounds, even though I was in a deficit yesterday, right. So I'm um, just kind of showing that side of weight loss. But yeah, it's been great, man. It's just I feel good. Um, and yeah, just doing a lot of cardio, you know, again, training legs, uh, two, three times a week. <laughs> so uh, but it's, 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 it's been good so far. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's been really good the way you've been sharing it on your, on your Instagram as well, just the daily weight fluctuations and even just to, just to bring more awareness to it, right. Is that yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't go down every day. It's not a linear thing. And even there was yeah. the one day where I can't remember what day it was, but you were kind of like, you were on point with your food and then your weight bounced up a couple, a couple pounds the four, next morning. Yeah. And it was at, but it was after a heavy workout. So it's like, yeah, your body's going to be a little inflamed, a little swole up and yeah, it's going to hold on to a little bit more water, but it's important yeah. to, to show this stuff. Right. Yeah, exactly. I thought you were sneaking some Grimaldi's, to be honest. <laughs> Everyone's like, you, did you really eat pizza and you just told us that you're retaining water for no reason? I'm like, no, I actually was in a deficit yesterday, I promise. <laughs> and, and, you know, even on that, maybe even if you did eat pizza, you still would have been in a deficit. So <laughs> yeah, 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 not not the ideal way to, to go through a cut, but it still works if you, if you have to make it work that way. All right, let's talk about the book a little bit. How did this come about? Where did we, where did we, how did we get here? Yeah, you want to get it or what? Well, you can take it. I mean, you're, you're actually, it was, uh, it was Peter's idea. So I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll start. So like I said, I was living in Toronto about two years ago. Me and Peter, um, you know, had known each other for a little while. We met up for lunch one day at, what was that place in Toronto Wilbur. called? Wilbur. Wilbur. Yeah, yeah Wilbur uh, Mexican. Mexican restaurant. Got yeah. some burritos. We're sitting there and talking. And this was like pre pre pandemic, right? So I think it was like February or March, just before the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. And we're just kind of talking about like, you know, opportunities, or maybe something we could, you know, do together, because I always respected Peter, I knew he was a smart guy, he had created fitness programs. And I was already thinking about writing a book myself anyway. So he had brought up that he had written a book, and he, um, he gave me a copy of it. And I'm like, you know what, why don't we maybe like rewrite the book together? Because our ideologies like around fat loss and fitness were like pretty much the same. I mean, maybe we differ on a few things, but like overall, like we have the same beliefs as far as, you know, like intermittent fasting, um, you know, refeed meals, like tracking your calories, you know, just like uh, making calorie adjustments, like 
the mindset stuff behind it. Um, so there was a lot of like synergy. So I'm like, you know what? Why don't I take this book? And this is when I, I moved back to Florida. I'm like, I'm going to rewrite it or make it better. Right. So essentially, I like to say like the book is is like he, he wrote the natural version and then I kind of put it on steroids and really like covered everything that I wanted to talk about. Cause you know, being overweight, you know, being hundred pounds overweight, I felt like there's a lot of things that, you know, maybe people could relate to. So I think sharing that, that side of my story and, you know, Peter was, was on the heavier side himself. So I'm like, you know what, it's almost like shark tank, right? You ever see where they make a deal with like two sharks versus one. Well, it's like, yo, you know, in this book, you're getting two former fat guys, <laughs> For the price of one, right? So, <laughs> so we both have, you know, we we're both very similar, but we also have like different viewpoints on something. So, um, yeah, man. So we just said, you know what? Let's let's kind of combine the best of both worlds. And um, I honestly couldn't be happier with with what we created. Like me personally, and yeah, maybe I am biased because it's our book, but I've read almost every book out there. And you know, I'm 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 just a a nerd when it comes to nutrition and training and, you know, um, like I've tried every single diet over the past 20 years since I've been involved in fitness, I've tried every dot, you know, every diet, every training program I've bought and I've bought all the books, all the magazines, um, you know, and this is something I feel like, you know what, there's so much in this book that you don't even have to take, you know, you don't have to follow every single law, just take one, two or three of the laws, put them into practice. And it's like, someone's going to get amazing results. So yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. That was the whole point, right? It was to be able to just flip to any chapter and be like, if you implement whatever chapter 19, you'll start losing weight kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I think, I think the combination of both of your guys' skill sets also contributes to this being very good. Steven, you're more focused in the fitness space, Peter, you were, but not as much anymore, but the writing side of it and being able to communicate uh, all of these concepts is a very like it's an important skill. It's really easy to just sit here and be like, be in a calorie deficit, you know, don't eat like an asshole exercise. Like that's easy, but that's not a proper way to communicate that. So you want to just speak a little bit to, to that aspect of it, maybe Peter? Yeah, I think uh, it's about creating kind of memorable um, nuggets for people. Because when you say take a calorie or go in a calorie deficit, it's kind of boring, for example, or like go take a walk after a meal. But like in the book, we framed it as take a smoker's break after a meal, um, which is very memorable. We can talk about that one after, which is still essentially taking a walk. But when I say take a smoker's break, it, it stands out. It's polarizing. That's been like probably the favorite chapter of like we've been on what four or five podcasts this week. And every single person picks that one out because yeah. it's so polarizing. But and the idea gets across and you remember it. No one forgets. Go take a smoker's break as like a dieting tactic. Yeah. Yeah. Because it sounds unhealthy, like smoking right. would not be would not be. I mean, I've never smoked a cigarette, honestly, in my life, but uh, apparently it, like tobacco is an appetite suppressant. So I guess in some extreme world, uh, that would be like a, you know, a, a diet tactic, uh, yeah. but it is polarizing, right? Not something you think about when, when you're talking about health. So go yeah. take a smoker's break, but, but let's jump into that. So, so what does that actually mean? Yeah. Um, basically, I mean, as you're familiar, um, when you eat food, you know, blood sugar raises or like lowers depending on like carbs, insulin, et cetera. Um, but the one thing that kind of helps like digestion and helps partition the nutrients is going for a walk after meals. Um, it's one of the reasons like men or women live longer than men is because they often do the dishes and that's not a sexist thing. That's just like the world, the way the world has been. Um, and so that was, that was the reason behind it. And we kind of looked at studies and just going for a 10 minute walk, which is like the average, like kind of walk or break that's like smoking a cigarette, um, tends to yield like massive results in terms of just like blood sugar control, nutrition, nutrient partitioning, um, just like generally feeling better digestion, um, just the way everything moves in the body. And, and yeah, that's kind of how that law came about, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's a really, 
in my experience, an easy one to put into practice because it's only 10, 15 minutes. It's not asking someone to go to the gym and lift weights for, you know, five hours a week. It's 10 minutes after your meal, you know, walk up and down the stairs in your house. If it's cold outside, like, you know, whatever, whatever it is, but like move around for, for a few minutes. Right. Yeah, exactly, man. That's the, and that was the point and take a smoker's break again. It's just to make it memorable and you won't forget it. Right. I think another aspect of that is that it, it makes it very relatable to, to anybody because anybody is able to do that. And is that sort of maybe the target audience of this book or, or Steven, were you guys kind of, you know, pushing this towards more hardcore fitness people? No. So, I mean, I work, I kind of looked at my current audience or like my current client, you know, clients that I work with. And I said, you know, I work with people like from all, all walks of life. Right. I work with athletes. I work with, you know, um, like former bodybuilders, but I also work with like a stay at home, stay at home moms. I work with busy businessmen who, you know, they don't have time to like meal prep and, you know, train for three hours a day. And, you know, like, so I, I really work with all types of individuals and like going through this book, I'm like, you know what, I want this to be applicable for like any type of person. Right. So whether you want to get shredded, maybe you're like a fitness fanatic like me and like I eat, breathe and sleep like fitness. I just love it. I'm addicted to it. You could buy the book and get results. Right. Or maybe you're a stay at home mom and you just want to lose like five, 10 pounds. You could apply things in the book, right? Like my sister, she just had a baby back in February and I helped her lose like 45, 50 pounds. Right. And I was kind of thinking about her, like when it came to like, you know, like the book, I'm like, you know what, she could follow this book and get results, you know, um, an 18 year old kid that's just getting into lifting and not really sure where to begin, or, you know, like maybe he doesn't know how many calories he should be eating if he wants to put on some size or, or even lose some weight. Right. So you could be a beginner, you could be intermediate, you could be advanced, like, a pro athlete or a stay at home mom, like this book, you know, can really help, help everyone. Cause we talk about so much more than just nutrition and training. Like we talk about mindset. We talk about supplements. We talk about um, hormones. We talk about sleep, rest, recovery, accountability. Like, I mean, again, like we literally jam packed as much as, as we could in this book to cover every single topic. Um, you know, so people could apply everything if they want, or they could just apply certain chapters. Like it's really up to them. Yeah. And I think that speaks to something that I wanted to talk to you guys about, which is just like the complexity of all the fitness knowledge that exists. There's a lot of science and a lot of research and a lot of stuff out there. And it all sounds, you know, very complicated when you, when you hear these big words in a study or some doctor of something, PhD, something or other is talking about some new breakthrough. And, but it really comes down to these simple laws that can be applied to anybody. You don't have to be a, you know, a, a science, a master of science or something to, to understand this stuff or to be a gym rat to understand this stuff. So how did you guys sort of determine, and maybe Peter on, on the writing side, this is a little bit better question for you, but how can you, how did you determine how or what things to include and what things not to include? Well, I think, and that's, this is how the number 77 came about. Um, and the reasoning was that I had seen lots of articles on the internet, like 21 ways to like lose weight and like stuff like that. And beyond the number 77 sounding really fucking cool. Um, if you had to find 77 laws of like losing weight or abs, there's a lot of research that has to go into that because once you get past like 30, like you're not going to be talking about calories. You're not talking about hormones. You're not talking about like vitamin D. Like you really start getting into the nitty gritty of the complexities like fat loss. Um, and that's where kind of the mindset laws. And like we talk about the self-image psychology, which yeah, it's overlooked, but it's, I mean, you're, you will never outperform your self-image, for example. You know, we talk about like the window of intensity, which is like, you know, if you 
whenever you're having a craving, usually it lasts about 15 minutes and it's just about beating the window of intensity. You know, we talk about craving types, you know, whether it's an emotional craving, it's a physical craving, or it's like a legitimate, like your body's craving like iron or like is deficient in nutrient. So yeah. And I think the whole point of the book was like, again, make it stupid, simple that you could flip to any chapter, read the chapter literally while you're going to the bathroom and start implementing it and you can start losing weight. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we, the three of us have had this conversation and I know that I've certainly said this elsewhere, but one of the most misunderstood things in my opinion about losing weight is that people are not actually willing to do the things that it takes to lose weight. Like we've all <laughs> gone through a cut and, and you guys have gone through much bigger weight loss journeys than, than I have in my life. But it's like, if you're not really willing to like do the exercise, eat salad, like it's not going to happen. And you need to be prepared for that to, yeah. to, you know, to be able to actually start losing weight. What are, what are some of the big things in your mind, Stephen, that, that, you know, you need to be prepared for, like even in this cut that you're doing right now, what are some of the, like the things that you had to accept in your head before, before getting into this? Uh, I mean, I'm a huge mindset person, right? Um, like I, I've been pretty open about talking, you know, like my struggle with binge eating, my struggle with like, you know, having an eating disorder when I was younger, that still is kind of like in the shadows, even still today. Like, I don't think it ever really goes away. Like I'm, I'm, I, I call myself like a recovering food addict, right? Because I mean, I love to eat. I love food just as much as I love fitness, right? But obviously if you swing too far to one side or the other, it's like you're not going to be in a good position because you need balance as well, right? So um, going into it with the proper mindset, I think 90% of the battle is in someone's head, right? Like making a decision you want to lose weight is a really big part of it. But, you know, having that like how, how you view yourself and, and your self-image is is critical because if you go into something wanting to change your life wanting to get fit but let's say up until now like your entire life you've been fat or you've been out of shape well your your self-image is is pretty much wrapped up in that identity right so you almost have to like i don't want to say fake it till you make it but it's really the only term that 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 suits this but it's like you almost have to believe like you're fit before you become fit right like start just telling yourself listen I'm going to eat like a fit person. I'm going to train like a fit person. I'm going to live it out until I'm actually looking back in the mirror and, and my image is, is that of a fit person. Right. So, cause the problem is like, if you continuously identify with someone who's fat or someone who's out of shape, every time you fall short or every time you fail or you self-sabotage, like it, it's, you're, you're just going to be, you know, doing what you've always done. Right. Cause that's kind of what you're familiar with anyway. Right. But so you have to set some type of like, some type of goal, which is critical. And once you set that goal and have it in front of you every day, um, it's a lot easier to kind of reshape your identity, reshape your self-image um, and, you know, start living out the process because like anything in life, it's not going to happen overnight. You know, changing the human body takes, takes time. Some, it takes a lot of time, right? If you have a hundred pounds to lose, that's going to take a year, you know? So um, approaching it, knowing that with the proper mindset, preparing your mind and, you know, trying to form a new identity, I think is like the most important thing and something that's never really talked about, you know, and that's why like, I'm super happy we included in the book because the mindset is such a big part of anything in life, like getting in shape or starting a business or, you know, like, I mean, you name it, like it all begins in the mind. Right. But why, why don't more people talk about it? If losing weight was as easy as eating less food and moving your body more then America wouldn't have, you know, an obesity problem and be the fattest country in the world. Right. And the obesity rates keep going up and up and up. So apparently something is off somewhere. Right. So, um, again, it all begins in the mind. I think once you get control of your mind and your thoughts, you could control everything else in your life. So, yeah, it's not, it's not for a lack of knowledge about 
food or anything that America or any other country has yeah. a, an obesity issue. It's it's more about lack of actionable knowledge, right? It's like how do I take all these things and like actually put them into place? And I think that you know your guys' book will will do a great job of giving people those actionable items. Like, okay, I know that I need to eat less. How do I actually do that? And then how do I actually do it again tomorrow and the next day and then the next week and then next month and so on and so forth, right? Because like you said, that I think that fake it till you make it thing is is super valid because you, you almost do have to, right? Like you said, losing 100 pounds, that's going to take a year and you're going to have some slip ups along the way. No one's going to be perfect for a full year. So if you kind of revert back to that, oh, I'm a, I'm a fat guy then you're going to you're going to revert back to that right but you have to convince yourself that you're not that person anymore if that's not what you want to be and and then continue to you know continue to make progress right yeah 100% yeah i think like beyond the uh like nutrition and training aspects of weight loss because everyone kind of knows the energy expenditure uh, kind of rules um well not not everybody i mean everybody, there's some but, there's some silly people out there yeah <laughs> uh, you know, the keto fans right yeah <laughs> but uh you know, I, I think the rest of the book, I mean, the mindset, the supplement stuff, if we think of uh, like diet as like a bowling alley and you're kind of bowling down the, the railway, the mindset, the supplements, everything else we talk about in the book are the guardrails to keep you on track, right? And without those, you can kind of fall off track. But with those in place, you know, any law, it helps you stay on track, kind of hit your goal at the end. Right. And just yeah. for the record, every time I go bowling, I always use the bumpers. So <laughs> you can apply that to everything in your life. <laughs> Well, we won't. Uh, I mean, hopefully, too many people don't don't hear that one. Just skip over that second if you <laughs> if you heard it. And Steven uses the bumpers and bowling, but anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the, the mindset the mindset stuff is super important. I think another uh, kind of key aspect of that, or or a key indicator of that, is that very few people stay shredded, like really shredded, year round, yeah. because it's hard as fuck. <laughs> like it's not, yeah. and it's not, and it's not that fun, right? So th- this is why you don't have to be super shredded. But, you know, if you want to stay relatively lean, right? So what are some of the, the, the things that you use, Peter, like when you're in a cut to, you know, to really buckle down and make sure that you're going to get through it? Uh, I mean, one of them, you know, I use something called like a 20 food rule, which is basically making a list of 20 foods that I'm going to eat and only stick to that list. Um, and that way it's just a rule. And it's like, if I'm at the grocery store and I want to buy chocolate or I want to buy some bag of chips, or I even want to buy like, even like some healthy fruit that just might be extra calories that I don't need. If it's not on the list, I don't buy it. It's like a simple rule. So even if my willpower is kind of like waning, I just follow the rule, you know, something like that. And it can kind of fit into your diet because my version of like what 20 foods are, you know, chicken, beef, salad, et cetera, might not be what's going to work for you. Um, so that, that's probably one of them. Uh, beyond that, I use a bit of intermittent fasting, um, you know, uh, some stuff around like, you know, something that I learned from you actually was like moving your kind of bigger meal to the middle of the day and a smaller meal at night while moving most of your carbs at night because uh, it kind of helps with the sleep because when you have a lot of carbs, it induces a, a serotonin cocktail in the brain, which kind of helps you fall asleep in recovery. Right. Yeah. I think that that's a, that's a big one because when someone's in a deficit, they tend to suffer, their sleep tends to suffer, which then yeah. your willpower will suffer. And then you're going to, you know, you're reaching for pancakes in the morning instead of, you know, eggs or whatever it is. So yeah, yeah the, the, the carbs at night kind of, it, it mimics as if you're having more carbs and it will help with your sleep. So that's been, that's been, um, a good one for sure. Yeah. Um, let's, let's go through some of the chapters in the book. I'm going to throw out some random numbers and uh, let's, let's start with chapter 15. Cause I know PD, that's your that was your, your Jersey number for forever. So let's, let's yeah. go with that. And, and we'll, we'll just kind of see what it is. And we'll talk. You about can take it. that one. <laughs> you literally picked the one chapter that I wanted to take out of the book, but I left it in there <laughs> because I, I thought it was the most polarizing chapter. Yeah. All right. Let's hear it. 
Well, law 15, stop watching porn. <laughs> All right. Tell me about it. Um, are, are, are you sure you want me to go? <laughs> I can go. Yeah, no, I can take it. No. So, I mean, I'll, I'll start. Um, honestly, like one of the biggest issues is just, I mean, again, this, I, I, I guess it kind of goes back to mindset, right? Like having like a weak, a weak mind and just, you know, like an instant gratification mindset, you know, that's really what porn is, right? Like you're fantasizing about, you know, a certain event with a certain person just to get, you know, get off and get your, get your, you know, get your fun in. Um, but then it leaves you just, you know, with like feeling depressed, feeling down, feeling like, you know, low energy. Um, so, you know, again, delayed gratification is, is a really big part of, I think life in general, right? I mean, mm -hmm. obviously getting in shape, you know, resisting chocolate, resisting things like that, you know, for the, for the gooder or the better outcome down the road. Um, you know, it's the same thing with, with like, you know, again, porn right now is like, is an epidemic in this country and it leaves a lot of guys feeling depressed. It leaves a lot of guys, um, you know, almost like they become dependent on, it, you know, where it's like, they could have a relationship with, you know, which is more fulfilling, you know, um, I mean, there's numerous studies out there, the benefits of, you know, being with someone you love, but porn is like kind of taking the easy way out. And again, there's so many like negative, um, negative issues that come along with it. And, you know, like psychological issues, even if they don't realize it, they're, they're creating certain psych psychological issues. And, um, you know, I'm not an expert on the subject, so I'll, I'll let Peter kind of take, take over, but, that, but that's kind of how I view it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm an expert. I'm not saying he's an expert because he's a porn addict. <laughs> that's, not, that's not really what I meant, but I think he can explain the chapter a little better than I can. Yeah, I can't wait to the, the family listens to this episode. Yeah. Um, sorry. No, it's all good. Uh, I think like beyond that, uh, there is like, so I'm going to speak to the science of like what happens in the brain with porn. Um, and it does have to do with reward hormone dopamine. Um, and so when you kind of finish uh, the dopamine spikes and then release and kind of eliminates, I guess, uh, leaves the brain. Um, and that causes kind of an addictive cycle. Um, and it causes you to make poor decisions. It causes you to be riskier. It causes you to be less motivated. Um, you know, it's very, very well shown that uh, porn saps testosterone. It actually causes low testosterone. It's a huge driver beyond like erectile dysfunction and other things. Um, and it's not a direct correlation into like eating more food, but if you're having like ED, for example, like you're going to feel bad about yourself and then you're going to want to medicate. And usually a food, food, weed, you know, alcohol are all medications, uh, extra yeah. calories, thus weight gain. So yeah. it's not a direct comparison, but I don't know too many like absolutely shredded dudes that are just like jerking it four times a day. You know? Yeah. No, I, I think that's actually as, as maybe a little bit comic as it comical as it as it may be and not directly related and a little bit polarizing i think this is actually you know luckily a really good law that we that we picked out here because it's not you know you can you can watch porn and do whatever you want and if you're in a calorie deficit and and you manage to stay in that like you're gonna get shredded it's okay mm -hmm. right but yeah. But it's unlikely that you're going to stick to all the other things if this is one of those things that you're doing because it's just this. It's like a it's like a little loss every day. You know, people talk about there's that one speech, the commencement speech, where the the Navy SEAL talks about wake up in the morning, make your bed because you start the day off on a win. This is like the opposite of that. It's like a little loss, and it's going to carry into well, now I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna I'm gonna watch porn, and then I'm going to smoke a joint, and then I'm gonna have some chocolate, and then I'm gonna go to sleep. Yeah, because you, you already gave up that willpower, right? So as silly as it sounds it's and i think this speaks really like speaks volumes to how you guys designed this book because this is something that probably nobody else has really thought of or written in some any type of weight loss book right yeah exactly and uh 
the whole point again is those little like the little things that no one thinks about that have like a domino effect you know what i mean because like yeah. you ended up like at the, the massive chocolate binge because you started with like the porn which then at, led to the weed which then led to whatever else you know what right. i mean and if you just eliminated that you probably wouldn't have had that like craving for chocolate right because also we know when we release like you know we're tired after and we want food etc so there's all those chemicals in the brain that kind of play a role and it's just about setting yourself up for success right so just like you mentioned with the you know the 20 food rule it's yeah. sort of creating these 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 laws and and instilling discipline in yourself is the way that I kind of think about it. It's like, if I just make this rule to not do this, only eat 20 foods, no porn, no, you know, no chocolate, whatever it is. And it's not that each one of those is going to, is going to have some amazing effect, but it's going to start a a cascading effect of a lot of amazing effects that are going to lead to you uh, reaching whatever your goals are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's like one of the other rules, like later on, we might get to it, but it is about a not to do list. Uh, and you kind of make a list about like things not to do, because if you're going to kind of go get somewhere to success, the straight line to success is doing what you need to do and then not fucking up. Right. It's, 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 it's often that a lot of the things in order to be healthy or to get in shape is more about removing bad habits (laughs) than implementing good habits. Like, would you agree with that? Steven is like a lot of stuff is like, you got to just stop doing dumb shit and and just do the good, just do the good stuff that you're doing. Right. 100%. 100%. I think, um, again, dude, people get so set in their ways, you know, and that like, I, like one of my favorite sayings is like consistency compounds, right? Mm-hmm. So you can consistently do good things. You can get up, get to the gym every morning, be consistent with that, be consistent with, you know, making good food choices 80% of the time. And you, that's going to compound day after day, month after month, and you're going to be left with the result, right? Well, same thing for negative choices too. If you keep you know, watching porn every day and keep overeating your calories every day and snacking every night and smoking weed every day and you get stuck in these habits. Well, guess what? If you're consistent with those things, that's going to compound too. And, you know, in a few months down the road, you're probably not going to like what you're looking at, you know, in the mirror and you're probably not going to like the person you've become. Right. So, um, like yeah. more, the more you're able to cut out the bad stuff and the negative stuff, the more bandwidth you have to make the better decisions. Yeah, I agree. Very, very powerful first uh, first law to to get yeah. through there. But but uh, that's a uh, funny funny that that's the one that we picked out. Um, okay, let me throw another number at you guys then. Here, let's go uh, twenty seven. All right, what do we got? Twenty seven. Wish we knew these off by heart. Uh, <laughs> that would be impressive. Okay, pick another number because that one's the twenty food rule. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll uh, go twenty eight. We'll go 28. okay. Twenty eight. Sure. Yeah. All right. Regular eating schedule. So keep, all right. So law 28 is a keep a regular eating schedule. So I guess I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go with it, but I mean, I eat pretty much, I have the same eating schedule every single day, right? I go to the gym in the morning. My training's usually done by 9am, maybe 10. Um, I come home shower and I usually have my first meal around like 11am. Right. And I've, I've kind of primed my body to be hungry around 11am. So like a lot of people don't realize, but you could actually train your body when to be hungry, right? Like the reason why most people wake up hungry or, you know, they, they want to have breakfast is because, well, like for the past 20 years or 30 years, like you've been waking up every morning, having breakfast at the same time. So you've trained your, your body. This is called hunger signaling, right? Your uh, hormones and signals are going to your brain that are telling you when to be hungry. So you're hungry, right? This is why people that start intermittent fasting, like the first, you know, typically the first like two, three days is the hardest. Like you're going to be the hungriest, because your body's like, dude, why aren't we eating our normal, you know, 9 a.m. breakfast, right? But then after like three days, your body adjusts. And let's say you're pushing your first meal back to 12 p.m. 
Now your body will start getting hungry at 12 p.m. because you're training it when to get hungry. So for me, you know, it's really the same thing. That's why I, I like to keep, I like to eat my meals at the same time every day. Now, not, not every day is always like the exact, you know, down to the minute, but within, you know, 30 minutes uh, or, or so. And that's how my body's trained, right? So um, for me, it's been just like, it, it just gives me more structure with my eating too. Because a lot of people, if you don't have structure, you know, if it's 11 o'clock at night and you're hungry, like you're most likely going to make a bad choice, right? Like very rarely does someone, you know, who's watching TV at late at night, like ever say, I'm going to go, going to go make a salad or go eat vegetables. It's always like, what do they do? They grab chocolate, they grab chips, they grab something salty or sweet. Right. So it's a very powerful thing to kind of keep your body on a set schedule, train your body when to be hungry and train your body to eat also like healthy, nutritious foods. Because if you continue to give your body those foods, well, you know, your gut biome is going to change and, you know, your body is going to crave the things that you consistently give it. So, yeah, no, I think this is a really good one. I, I like this law a lot. It's, it's another one of these kind of imposed discipline things. If I know that I'm eating three meals a day at 11 a.m. at 3 p.m. and 7 p.m., whatever times it is, then I'm not going to reach for that mid-afternoon snack of yeah. a bag of chips and dip or something at, at five before dinner because it's like that just doesn't fit my eating window. That's not what I'm doing. And it's not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just it's removing decisions where you have the opportunity to make a bad decision. And I think that that, that is uh, quite, an, quite an important thing, right? Exactly. Now, you guys are both big fans of intermittent fasting for, for, for cutting. And, and, and as I am, as am I as well. And, and yeah, and I'll take that with a grain of salt. Big fans is in, it's not the, it's not the, <laughs> the only thing to do. And, and I certainly don't always use it, but, but do you guys both use it if you're cutting right now, Steven, I know you are right now. If you don't use it, you lose it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not like, you know, it, it's funny. I actually had a conversation with, with one of my clients today because he wants to start training early in the morning. Right. So he asked me, he's like, Hey, I, I love intermittent fasting, but the problem is it's like, you know, with my new work schedule, I have to go to the gym at 5am and, you know, generally I'm hungry after I eat. So he's like, you know, do I have to like wait till 12 PM to eat? Or, you know, like, can I have a shake after training? And I told him like, listen, you know, on the days where I go to the gym really early myself, again, I'm usually hungry after I train. Right. Um, I'll eat a little bit, a little bit, you know, earlier than, you know, maybe then normal. Right. So it kind of contradicts like what I just talked about as far as like having a set schedule, but my days are pretty much the same anyway. Um, so intermittent fasting just happens to work with me. Right. Like when I wake up in the morning, I'm generally not hungry. I have my coffee, you know, one to two cups of coffee. I go to the gym train. Um, but then like, you know, when the weekend comes and maybe my schedule is a little bit more flexible, if my girlfriend wants to go to brunch, you know, then, Hey, I'll go have brunch at 10 a.m. on Sunday, right? Like, I'm not one of these people where it's like, oh, no, I'm going to go to brunch, but I'm just going to sit here and drink my water while, while everyone else eats, right? Like, that's kind of silly to me, and that's not really, like, a, a lifestyle at that point, right? Now you're just, like, super militant, and it, it's, it's just too much, you know? So I always tell people, like, follow something that fits with your lifestyle, you know? You don't have to fast every single day or do intermittent fasting every day. If you want to do a Monday through Friday because it works better with your work schedule, and then when the weekend comes, you can kind of, you know, um, like go back and forth between the two, between eating normal schedule and eating, you know, and doing fasting. But again, there, there's a lot of zealots in the fitness industry where it's like all or nothing. You're either an intermittent faster or you're not, you know, you're not on our team or you're a keto guy or you're out. It's like, this is where people, you know, people just become obsessed and it, it's not sustainable long-term. Right. So I kind of oscillate between the two, you know, Monday through Friday, I'm, I'm pretty dialed in with, with intermittent fasting. When the weekend comes, if I do it, I do it. But if not, it's it's no big deal either. 
Yeah. It's just like a, it's like a framework to, to operate under, but then you have to be able to, you know, be flexible within that as well. And I think another thing for anyone listening is maybe if if you got to go to the gym at 5am, you can bump up your eating window. Like you can still do eight hour feeding window from, it doesn't have to be from noon till 8pm. There's nothing magic about those times. Like you can just eat earlier in the day and finish eating at 4pm or whatever, whatever time it might be. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Next law. Let's do, uh, 37. I don't know why I'm going with all the sevens. Wait, I was gonna say, yeah. what's next? Uh, Forty-seven, <laughs> seventy-seven. Yeah. Wait, wait, we're just gonna work our way up all the way to seventy-seven. Yeah, oh, that's a good one, actually. Yeah, um, one. So, law thirty-seven: avoid getting drunk. I mean, it's like it's pretty, you know, pretty obvious, right? Um, but nonetheless, you know, people like to drink, and um, you know, I'm not gonna fault them for that. But there's, you know like anything in life, again, you know, whether it's food or alcohol consumption, it's like, there has to be some type of balance, right? You can't go get smashed every single night or every single weekend and expect to reach your goals. You know, something has to give somewhere. So, um, you know, as far as drinking goes, like I have clients that drink every day, but it's like one or two glasses of wine at night. Right. So we just kind of work it into their calories to where, you know, they can kind of have their cake and eat it too. Right. So, um, but again, you know, going out every weekend, like drinking to the point of being drunk, at least for me in the past, like the times when I have done that. And I, I, I thank God I've never really been a big drinker anyway. Like me, if I never had another sip of alcohol in my life, like I would kind of like, it wouldn't bother me. Um, but nonetheless, like when I was younger, you know, and, and was trying to fit in with all the cool kids and go to parties and stuff like the next day after I drank, I would be useless. Like <laughs> sponsored by profit, sponsored by profit. <laughs> Shout out to my homie, Conor McGregor. Thank you for the free bottle. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's like the next day I would be useless. Like, I don't want to go to the gym. I have a freaking hangover. I have a headache. My body, you know, it's just like, I just want to lay in bed and be lazy and eat snacks all day. Right. So it's not just like the, that night of getting drunk, but it's the corresponding day or days afterwards to where you just want to be lazy and not, you know, not do anything too. I think that's like the most important part is that like, when you do get drunk, it's less about like the alcohol calories and more about the shitty decisions you make yep. at three in the morning when you're like, yeah, let's go have a pepperoni pizza and fucking deep fried cheese balls. You know? Yeah. Because yeah. when yeah. like when you're drunk or when you're high, let's face it, like you're not really in control of your of your mindset mm-hmm. or your your discipline is like almost completely gone. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah, try to give someone, you know, tell someone to smoke a joint and go drink and to stay on their nutrition. It's like yeah. <laughs> eat a salad. It would be a for it would be a a miracle at that point. Right. So, you know, why, why make things harder on yourself? Right. Like why make the process harder when you don't have to? Yeah, I agree. And, and I think you guys, you, you hit it on the head there is that it's, it's not necessarily that one night of alcohol. The alcohol obviously is going to you know blow you off your calories if you're getting drunk, but it's like, it's the pizza after it's the, yeah. it's the, it's the McDonald's the next day. And it's the not going to the gym. And it's the, it's just, again, this cascading effect of negative events that that follows that one night of drinking and like you said steven i mean it's not that you never have to drink again anyone listening like but the the law is avoid getting drunk not avoid one glass of wine at dinner (laughs) right Right, very different very different things there what's your guys go-to drunk food go to drink i drunk drunk food yeah oh drunk food yeah yeah probably what's what's the one thing where it's like if we're drinking and i'm like okay steven I'm ordering this. You in? You're not saying no ever. You know, it's so hard for me to discriminate because I really don't discriminate against any food <laughs> at that like <laughs> at that level. At that level, dude. Like anything is going in my mouth, and it's and I'm, I'm gonna love it. Anything? Well, not anything. <laughs> anything edible? Um, hey, now. Sushi. I mean, I don't know. Like sushi, Mexican food, 
pizza, like anything that's just loaded with salt and, 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 and goodness, like, you know, nothing that's, that's healthy, you know, it's all like, it's going to give you a huge, like, you know, uh, dopamine hit and leave yeah. you feeling fat and fluffy in the morning, you know? I don't know. Mine probably like some lamb on the spit, you know, a little kuludakio. Yeah, but dude, you're, where are you getting that I, when you're drinking? I know. That's not that's not that's not real. <laughs> no, I'm talking about like, like it's three a.m. It's downtown Toronto. There's like four restaurants open. There's like poutine, pizza, uh, a burrito bowl, and and uh, true. Honestly, McDonald's. it's probably it's probably gonna be poutine. Yeah. Can you explain what poutine is to my American people? Because we uh, don't know what what kind of craziness to talk that is. That Peter, you, you you explain it. You'll you'll do a better yeah, I mean, job explaining it. Like, you know, it's as if like God like opened the heavens and like you know there's something slipped out, right? And what that was was like beautiful mixture of like deep fried like crispy golden French fries, right? And then it's covered in like cheese curds, but like not the average cheese curds, like. The, the salty stuff that you really need after you're drunk. Yeah. Right. The stuff that you don't buy at the supermarket, they kind of discard, but it's still delicious. And then it's covered in this like gravy. And then if you, if you go to smokes poutine, for example, you can get it loaded. Like I love like the bacon poutine, you know, it's just like two pounds of bacon on this poutine just to add to like, you know, the calories. Cause why not? So for my American people, what that translates <laughs> is it's French fries <laughs> with um, gravy on top and a bunch of cheese yeah. and uh, some bacon. It doesn't have to be bacon. It can be literally any meat or yeah. yeah. But it, it it will hit your soul and transform your life. Yes. Yeah. And that's delicious. From and and too, it's like so. if you're gonna have poutine, you might as well get the one with the bacon, the bacon cheeseburger, the loaded one. Because if you're gonna go, then like go just, hard. <laughs> yeah. If if you're having poutine, you're already making a mistake. So you might as well just like go for it, right? But let's let's get a little bit a little bit more healthy here. <laughs> maybe we'll, maybe we'll go through through one or two more uh, laws here. Let's yeah. do uh, forty two. 42. Ooh, this is a good one. Yeah. Um, so law 42 focus on building muscle. So, you know, really like, again, you want to look at, at your fitness journey, whether you're trying to lose weight, you know, get in shape, lose fat, whether you want to lose 10 pounds or hundred pounds, you really need to focus on the proper training to facilitate that. And I think the biggest mistake a lot of people make is like, they just tend to do way, way too much cardio and they use it as the only means of like burning calories. And that's just not, you know, not really cardio has its, its time and place, but it shouldn't be your primary focus. Your primary focus should be building lean muscle tissue, because when you have more lean muscle tissue on your frame, you're going to help build up a stronger metabolism. You're going to be able to burn more calories at rest. And, you know, like, I don't know about you, but I want to be burning more calories at rest. You know, I'm six foot two, I'm about 225 pounds. Um, you know, so my body just naturally burns like 2,500 calories, just from doing nothing. That's before I ever do any bit of exercise per day. Right. Um, so like for every pound of, of muscle tissue you, you have on your frame, you know, like muscle tissue is metabolically active, right? So like your body burns calories just to hold on to that muscle tissue and your body burns calories to repair and grow new muscle tissue as well. So, you know, like when you do cardio, you're only burning calories at that place in time when you're doing the cardio, but when you lift weights in the gym, then you come home and your body has to repair and rebuild that muscle tissue. Well, guess what? It's going to require energy to do that and energy. The body uses calories to facilitate that. Right. So that's why I always say, you know, focus on building muscle. Like if you only have one hour a day to train, get, you know, do, do an hour of weight training, right. Or do 45 minutes of weight training, maybe 15 minutes of cardio, but resistance training should always be the focus, especially as we get older, right? Like stuff starts to sag, you know, um, like our skin gets looser. So, 
why not do something that's going to facilitate like long, long-term results, keep you looking good, keep you feeling healthy. And obviously you're going to get stronger too, right? I mean, the number one reason why people are have to go into a, into a nursing home when they get to a certain age is because they lack the necessary leg strength to be able to sit down on a toilet. So if you have weak legs, the older you get, guess what? Now, now you're going to have to, you know, have some assistance to go to the bathroom, right? But if you've if you have strong legs, if you've trained your legs and built muscle, you know, um, you're going to be able to, to do things on your own for a lot longer. Right. So that's kind of the long answer. Um, but what I'm really trying to say is focus on building muscle guys. <laughs> I, I think to drive that home. It's basically like, if you're trying to think about like how people want to make this like passive income online, like make money while you sleep, building muscle is like burning fat while you sleep. The more muscle you have, the more fat you'll be like burning throughout the day. You know, I like that. Yeah. Right. I think another another important aspect of that to zero in is the the shape of your body, the shape that's created once you lose all that fat. You don't want to just lose a whole bunch of weight and then you're just a a bag okay. of bones. Like yeah. that's not really what the the look that anybody is going for, right? You want to have that muscle underneath. And like you said, Stephen, about you know the skin will start to sag, and if you're losing a significant amount of weight, yeah, there's going to be some extra skin. And the way to you know hide that or mitigate that a little bit is have some muscle underneath there, so yeah. that it you know your body looks like a body when you when you get to that weight loss goal. That's what happened to me. Like when I was younger, again, I had no no knowledge on anything, right? I'm just like, oh well, Rocky mm-hmm. runs every night when he's getting ready for a boxing fight. I'm going to do what Rocky does, right? So I just ate chicken and broccoli every day. I ran like probably two, I don't know. It felt like 10 miles. It was probably only <laughs> only half a mile, but I was so overweight that like every every step I took was, you know, uh, excruciating. Um, but then what happened after I lost like the first 50 pounds, you know, pretty quickly, like I was like, dude, why am I still like not happy with how I look? You know, like I thought I was going to go running and I was going to have like shredded six pack but like every, the only thing that happened was the loose skin I had, like my man boobs were just hanging down to my belly button. My stomach was like loose and droopy. I, I looked like a melted candle. So that's what led me to join the gym and start training. And, you know, like one thing kind of led to another, but yeah, that like, even when I take people on to work with, I'm like, listen, the goal, like when we work together, the goal is to look like a superhero, right? Like, how do you do that? Well, you weight train four to five days per week, you know, which is going to help facilitate building muscle. And the diet, the nutrition is really going to help facilitate the fat loss, right? So we're going to keep your protein high, make sure we're giving your body the raw materials it needs to build the muscle. We're going to keep you in a slight deficit to burn the fat. And when you combine those two, like that's how you, you know, that's how you build a really, um, you know, sexy, masculine, strong physique, which is what 99.9% of guys want, unless they, for whatever reason, prefer the dad bod, then I cannot help you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think as well to add to that, a feminine physique as well is has, has muscles on it. It's not just, again, it's not just a bag of bones. That's not what anyone, nobody wants to look like that. I promise you. Even the ladies who I work with, you know, I tell them straight up, listen, here's why we're lifting weights. Right. And once I explain it to them, like, Oh yeah, of course, that's exactly what I want. Right. Because we, we we all see it. Like we've all seen that person that's lost, you know, like the people on my 700 pound life or my 600 pound life. Like once they get their surgery and they lose like 400, 500 pounds or the people on that show, the biggest loser, right? What happens yeah. when they lose like a hundred pounds, you know, their skin is hanging to their, like to their knees. Right. So um, like you want to avoid that at, at, at all costs and, you know, do what you can to facilitate again, like healthy metabolism. You want to look good. You want to look sexy and like lifting weights is honestly the easiest way and the best way to do that. Yeah. And, and I think another point to, to highlight there, what you said is the training is for your muscles there. You don't train off your fat. That's not how it, that's not how it works. It's just physiologically impossible. The, yeah. the, that part happens with your nutrition, 
right? And so it, it's important, but but it's not obvious to someone who doesn't know, hasn't done the research, hasn't read your guys' book, hasn't you know done this stuff. But so that's that's why as as simple as it may sound to any fitness people who who may hear that, oh, prioritize building muscle. Yeah, it seems obvious, but it's really really important and something that's so often overlooked. So uh, even though you guys have some more let's say obscure laws, like we'll go back to number number fifteen there. You also need the you also need the basics in there, which I think makes this uh, what you guys have created uh, very important and very very powerful. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a complete book basically. Yeah, let's go through one more and then and then I have a, another. Yeah, yeah, let's, do a, let's do a rest and recovery one because I think recovery is greatly overlooked by a lot of people and they don't really understand like why. Um, I don't even know where. Oh, here we go. Plan your recovery. Yeah, you guys pick it. I, I don't know the numbers. Let's do. Uh, I mean, we can do, we'll do, we'll do these, we'll do two quick ones. We'll do like a sleep one. Okay. And then we'll do this one because I want to talk about this one. So in the book, we talk about one of my favorite quotes is by uh, uh, Usain Bolt, right? He won, I don't know what, what event it was in the Olympics. It was one of the ones where he's like the fastest man in the world, right? 100 meters. Know, uh, and 200. The 200 meter? And, and 100, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, obviously the guy is like a complete beast, right? But he actually wrote... Um, or he had a quote that said, you know, um, when you like, when you rest, it allows your body to absorb the training you're actually doing. Right. So like when you really, as soon as I read that, I'm like, wow, like that's really powerful. Right. Cause all the work I'm doing in the gym, it's like, when is my body able to absorb all of that, all of that training and actually grow and, you know, all the muscle I'm breaking down in the gym, like, cause that's what you're doing when you're working out. Right. People think you're growing in the gym. No, you're actually breaking down muscle tissue in the gym. This way it grows back a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. And, you know, um, that's, that's what the process is. So when he said that, you know, uh, rest and recovery is allows your body to absorb the training you're doing me. Like I'm kind of obsessive, like when it comes to training, right? Like I want to train every day. You know, if I go one day without training, I feel like something is off. Like it's just kind of my therapy. It's my outlet. You know, I, I just look forward to it every day. Um, but on the flip side, if you overdo it and you're not allowing your body and facilitating any rest and recovery for your body to, you know, to absorb the training you're doing and grow, then you're almost going backwards too, right? It's like digging a, a five foot hole and then going back the next day in training. And now you're digging a six foot hole, right? Whereas if you dig a five foot hole, you rest and recover, you know, now you're going back and digging a four foot hole and then three foot, right? So um, rest is something that's greatly overlooked. I have all my clients make sure they take a mandatory two day a week rest. Now, you know, if you want to do some like cardio or walking or, you know, play a sport, like that's perfectly fine. Typically on my rest days, I'll, I'll still get my 10,000 steps in. So this way I'm still like moving throughout the day. I'm not just sitting on the couch, you know, like a log laying there. Um, but just being intentional with your rest days, it's just as important, I think, as being intentional with your training days, because the two are, 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 are mutually exclusive, right? I mean, your best athletes in the world will tell you like the best CrossFit competitors, the best powerlifters, um, boxers, UFC fighters, like they prioritize their rest because that's when your body's able to absorb the work that you're, that you're doing. Yeah. And this is probably, I mean, it's important always, but especially important during a weight loss phase because the, the common thought is like more is better. And so if I can train four days a week and I'm losing weight, well, what if I train five days a week? And if that's good, why don't I just train seven days a week? But you're doing yourself a disservice. Like you said, Steven, you're just kind of like, you're digging that hole deeper and deeper and you're really just, you're really getting nowhere. And then, you know, everything's going to suffer. The The discipline goes out the window. And next thing you know, back on the chocolate and, and chips. Some of the best results I ever got, like over the years has been training four to five days per week. Right. Yeah. 
And the reason why I found in the past why I was training seven days a week, but why I felt like I needed to get to the gym every single day was because a lot of times my diet was, you know, off or like if I had a bad weekend where I was kind of overeating on the weekend, you know, in order to offset that, what do you do? You go to the gym and that's what a lot of people do as well, right? Like they eat crap, but then the next day they have to go to the gym to burn it off. Right. And, you know, again, it's like, if you just get your nutrition under control, like I'll never forget one of my coaches told me, he's like, dude, you know, get your nutrition under control. And this way you don't have to kill yourself in the gym, right? Like you could train yeah. four to five days per week, but just make sure you're consistent with your calories. Then you don't have to kill yourself seven days a week. Right. So, and that's honestly, for me, like that's when my body has responded the best when I do four to five days, um, you know, but stay consistent with my nutrition. Like I, that I've, I've made the biggest gains doing that. Yeah. And I think that that's probably common across the board is when you're yeah. not, you're not overdoing it. You got to find that, uh, that sweet spot. Right. Yeah. What was that last one you want to talk about there, Pete? I changed it up. I think this one is, is honestly pretty important. We haven't talked about it on other podcasts too. And it's laws number 75. And like my brother, Mikey always drill us in and it's, we just say dress better. Um, and here's the reason is that I've never seen one, seen anyone sit on the couch in a suit, binge eating ice cream and pizza. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's the thing, you know, it, it's, it's all about like how you present yourself and like how, when you look at yourself in the mirror, you have more self-confidence and then your actions will reflect, you know, if you're dressing in like a tank top and like track pants all day, and you, you kind of look like a fat slob and you feel like a fat slob. Well, you're going to take actions that kind of feed that self-image, you know, whereas if you're in a suit and you're crushing it, um, you probably won't. But beyond that, like if you're in a suit, like the clothing is tight, like you're not going to want to eat more, you know? So again, it's just like a little thing that like, is it going to be like calories in calories out, like kind of changing? No, but it does help keep the guardrails on and keep you kind of going when your willpower fails. And like one of the first things I do, like whenever I start a cut typically is like, I'll go to the store and I'll drop a few hundred bucks on new clothes, but I'll buy the shirt, maybe a size smaller than I normally am. Right. Just because like, and I'll try it on too. And it will be a little snug when I try it on. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy it. I'm going to, you know, hang it up in my closet or hang it somewhere where I could actually see it every day. And it's going to force me to, you know, it's almost like dangling the carrot, right? Like, yeah, you want to wear this shirt. You just spent this much money on these clothes, you know? So I, 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 I always tell people, listen, go spend a few hundred bucks, buy the pair of jeans you want, buy the shirt you want, but buy it one size smaller. This way it forces you to have to make a decision to change and get in shape in order to wear those clothes. Right. So, um, like everything's tied together, man. Honestly, I, I believe it's all tied together. Like your emotional well-being, your physical well-being, your spiritual well-being, your, you know, um, they all kind of work, work together, right? If you feel good or if you look good, you're going to feel good. If you feel good, like you're going to want to dress good. If you dress good, you're going to want to act good. Right. So it's like everything kind of builds upon each other. And I think, you know, people have it wrong if they think it's just, you know, one or the other, right. Cause for me, if I'm eating good, if I'm training good, you know, I'm going to be feeling good. I'm going to be looking good and I'm going to want to help more people. Right. But if I'm not taking care of myself, like I don't want to help take care of anyone else either. Right. So like it starts with you take ownership of your own life, take ownership of everything you have going on personally. And when you start to put all your ducks in a row and take care of your priorities first, like then you can start helping other people too. Right. So yeah, even if you don't, even if you don't start your own journey for yourself, do it for someone else. Cause that will probably keep you more accountable to the process than just focusing on your own needs. Yeah, I love it. Super well said. I think I think that one is actually super relevant to today's world of everybody working from home and you know in in Canada a little bit more than in Florida, but you know, that's a different conversation. But 
<laughs> you know, everybody's at home and we've been wearing sweatpants and everybody's like, oh, if I have to go back to the office, I don't have any work clothes anymore because none of them fit me. Yeah. Not okay. Right. Everybody's yeah. gained weight. We've been, we've been in sweatpants and sweaters and now we're heading into the fall and the winter and it's just going to get more. I can hide it now under a baggy sweatshirt under, under, under sweatpants again. Right. And if, if you are dressing well, it's one of those things, you, you know, you can dress like a slob and make everything else perfect and you'll get shredded that, that physiologically works. But it's more than just the physiology here. It's all of the things like Stephen was just mentioning. It's you have got you got to think of the whole picture. And I think, again, this speaks to how well you guys have put together this this whole book. Yeah, well, appreciate the compliments. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the fat slobs, but it's good for book sales. So I'm not too torn up about everything. <laughs> well, everybody, everybody goes through phases, right? And everybody and everybody needs help. It's not, uh, you know. There's a reason why people have have got this way, and it's people like you, it's people like us, it's conversations like these, it's books like that you guys have written that's going to help people to to change their life, and and that doesn't I'm not saying that lightly, it yeah. will change your life when you when you yeah. lose weight. I know. Well, I, I, I was gonna say at the end of the day, we're all human. Like last year, I had my gallbladder taken out. You know, while the pandemic just started. Wait, you know? can you explain why you had your gallbladder taken out? So please? just, I mean, true story, but this was because of like my food addiction, right? Like I was just super stressed. The pandemic was happening. Um, you know, the whole world was pretty much upside down. And I was like, I was stressed eating, emotional eating. And I legit ate like an entire tub of peanut butter one night. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's like, that's a lot of stress on your, on your uh, gallbladder, right? Your gallbladder has to produce a bunch of bile to, to break it down. So, um, I had to drive myself to the ER cause I woke up in the middle of the night with like excruciating abdomen pain. I didn't know what it was. I just, I Could never felt it. It's probably the peanut butter. And, uh, <laughs> the nurse was like, or the doctor was like, Hey, so like, what did you eat yesterday? I'm like, well, I had like probably five peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And then I like ate some more peanut butter on crackers. He's like, yeah, dude, that's a lot of like, that's a lot of fat. Like you just overloaded your gallbladder with. So long story short, they had to go into, you know, emergency surgery, take my gallbladder out, but I was laid up for like two months, you know, wasn't really able to train or do anything. And, you know, I gained probably 20 pounds within that time frame. Um, but one thing people have to realize, like, we're all human, you know, whether it's a fitness influencer on Instagram or like, you know, your favorite actor in a movie, it's like, we all have the same exact struggles. The only difference between you and that person, like we, we all want to eat eat pizza. We all want to skip the gym. No one really wakes up and says, I can't wait to go to the gym. I'd rather eat a salad versus a donut. Right. We all have the same, like the same, the same struggles, but the person that, you know, just has a little bit more self-discipline and has a little bit more self-control, they get, they get the result. Right. So, but just knowing that, you know what, I don't prefer eating salads all day. I don't prefer eating chicken over, you know, over cake, but I know that if I want to get to where I want to be and feel a certain way, look a certain way, I'm probably going to have to make more good decisions than bad decisions. So, you know, um, yeah. And the book is about making good decisions an easier option. You know, each chapter is basically a guardrail to help you stay on track when, you know, you have a peanut butter binge kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So that doesn't happen. It yeah. Hasn't happened since, so I will say it has not happened since you so. don't have a gallbladder. So <laughs> I also do not have a gallbladder. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's hope that that doesn't, that doesn't happen again. That would not be a, not be a fun time, but no, like you said, it's it's keeping the guardrails on. It's removing the need to make difficult decisions because it's hard to choose chicken over cake all the time. But yeah. if you if you you know create the rules and impose a discipline on yourself, then you're going to get where you're going. And and again, it's not about fitness. It's about 
all the other stuff. You know, it's about your business. It's about your relationships. It's about just enjoying everything else in life. And not to bring up another chapter in our book, but we might as well do it since we're talking about it. But it's like, yeah. you know, talking about like making the process easier, you know, like, like we, we have a law in the book that's called buy single servings, right? Because if you buy things in bulk or, you know, if you have a bunch of snacks or, you know, sweets or laying around the house, it's like, dude, it's only a matter of time before you talk yourself into it. Right. I, I could be the most disciplined person in the world, but in a moment of weakness, if I know I have like, you know, ice cream or a chocolate bar sitting in my freezer and fridge and I have, you know, a stressful day, it's like, come on, you know, the, the self-discipline isn't going to, isn't going to, you know, be strong enough to stop me. Right. So, but if you don't have it in the house and guess what, you can't eat it. Right. So that's like, that's another perfect illustration of, you know, like setting yourself up for success, you know, putting yourself in an environment to succeed is a really big part of it too. Yeah. Removing those, removing those obstacles is, is always good. Right. Because there's no need to test your discipline that much. (laughs) It's just, it's just asking for disaster. Remove those people out of your life that want to keep, you know, trying to get you to go get pizza on the weekends. Right. Like, what, Grimaldi's? <laughs> Whoops. Is that why we got rid of Daniel? Yeah, that's why Daniel's back in Toronto right now. Yeah, well, I was yeah. bulking. I told you guys I'm trying to get fat, so so I had to leave so I could get fat in peace. That's what I told myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm just uh, bulking with Daniel <laughs> as my weight's up 10 pounds. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, so 77 laws. Nobody needs to do 77 things to get a six-pack. We'll, we'll sort of you know start to wrap this up here. But let us know again, like how is how is this book best going to be used uh, for somebody who reads it? How would you advise someone read through it? Just go cover to cover, randomly pick chapters. Like, what would be the the best way to kind of go through the book, Peter? I personally think cover to cover um, because that way you can kind of ingest everything and you know go through it with a highlighter, right? Highlight the chapters you love, highlight the chapters that work that that you do want to follow, and you know, I mean, every book is that way, right? It's like. You don't have to implement everything in the book. It's just a matter of, you know, you, you get a few nuggets here and there. Like when I read a business book or a self-improvement book, I'm not looking to implement the entire book into my life. But if I could find one or two nuggets and take action on those things and implement that one thing, it's like, I think Grant Cardone, who's a business guy says, you know, um, every time I buy a book, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for $1 million, right? Like where's that $1 million nugget? And then this book too, is kind of the same thing, right? Like Where's that that ten pound nugget that you know I have that twenty pounds I want to lose? Where where what law is going to help me lose that twenty pounds? Right. So obviously, if you combine a few of the laws together, you know, um, like your your results are going to be magnified. But yeah, yeah, I mean, picking one or two of the laws to follow, like you're going to get incredible results. Yeah, I think uh, if you're a beginner, even intermediate, probably the whole book. But if you're advanced, you know, I kind of use this as like a buffet and, you know, you kind of just go to the table of contents and pick the sections you want because everything kind of is laid out fairly simple, you know, pick the laws. Um, because most advanced people will know, let's say about 50% of this book. But again, the whole reason for 77 was that there's an insane amount of research to get to 77 different things. And I can pretty much guarantee that no one knows every single one of these laws, except for me and Stephen, until you read the book. I still don't know all 77 <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I think, and I think that that's why, again, that you guys have done such a great job with it because you've encompassed everything in it, right? And so there's going to be something there for everyone. Some, you know, the, the law that speaks to me the most might not be the law that speaks to you the most, but it's going to speak. It's going to, you know, give us both results in our own way that's applicable to my life, applicable to your life, and applicable to anybody else's life, right? Exactly. Yep. So, book is coming out. What was the date again? October. Yeah, Tuesday next week, October fifth. October fifth. Yeah, because this will come out. This will come out on the Monday, but so it'll be. The book will be available tomorrow. And where can people get the book? 
Um, it'll be on Amazon, um, Barnes Noble, Target, pretty much everywhere online. Uh, Daniel post about it. We'll all post about it. Yep. Um, yeah, it'll be on sale for the first week, the Kindle version for a dollar. So if y'all want to pick it up cheap, otherwise, you know, hardcover, regular price. Awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, definitely we'll all post about it. Um, I'll throw the link to it in the description of this as well. Um, in stores, will that be available in Canada or just in the states, Barnes and Noble and Target? It'll just be online, online. Yeah, for for Canada. Oh, okay. You can buy it through through those stores online. Yeah, yeah. Just probably grab it on Amazon is probably the best bet. Barnes and Noble, obviously. I don't think it'll be in chapters or anything. Um, but. Sweet. All right, boys. Um, what else do you guys have to say about the book? Kind of uh, any any last uh, last words, last messages to to give to the people here. I think we covered a lot, man. I mean, there's a whole, like we, we talked about supplements, right? Some of the best supplements that you should be taking. Again, it's not like you have to take, you know, like do I have to do all 77 things to get results? No. If you have to take, you know, 50 different supplements to get results? No. But one or two supplements, you know, maybe like a creatine or a good fish oil or, you know, a protein powder. If you struggle to hit your protein, like that's going to greatly help you reach your goals. Um, we talk about, you know, accountability, you know, put yourself on a deadline, right. To reach your goals, um, find an accountability partner. Like again, man, there's so much value in this book. We could sit here for hours and hours and hours. Um, but people are just gonna have to go buy it to check it out. Um, but again, me and Peter, like we poured our heart and soul into it and really said, you know, what can we provide people that they're going to get the best result, right. From the beginning till the end. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with what we, what we, uh, we put up. it uh, i do believe it is the greatest fat loss book ever written not to be like cock or anything but i honestly do believe it encompasses the entire like somatic experience as humans to lose weight yeah and from from two guys who have, who have been through it and done the research and taken other people through it so uh, i don't think that that is that is said lightly um mm-hmm. and and I'm, I'm happy that you guys have done this because it's gonna it's gonna help a lot of people and that's yeah. what the that's what the most important thing about all this is is how do we just help more people figure this thing out because it's not easy um, but it's going to benefit everyone. So on behalf of everybody, thank you for for writing this. Anybody listening, uh, make sure you go pick it up. 77 Laws of Six-Pack Abs, Stephen Campolo and Peter Zemis, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, but just get it online. Uh, Kindle version for the first week will be a dollar, correct? Yep. Awesome. Um, and we'll all uh, we'll all blast that out. Um, where can people find you guys online? Just rattle off your kind of your social media, your contact info once more. Uh, my Instagram is Steven at Steven with the PH uh, Campolo, C-A-M-P-O-L-O. You can hit me up there. Yeah. Uh, my Instagram, which I have not used in three years, is at Peter Zemis, you know, Peter and T-Z-E-M-I-S. I will start posting though as soon as the book launches. So I'll be back on there. Uh, probably best spot. Yeah. Awesome. Looking forward to it, boys. Thank you very much. Pleasure as always. Looking forward to the book. Everybody, thank you for listening. Make sure you pick up the 77 Laws of Six-Pack Abs tomorrow as this will come out uh, on Monday. And that's that. I appreciate you for listening. I hope you've taken some value out of this. Definitely share this with a friend who you know is is struggling to lose weight or looking to start losing weight because that's going to be the best way to support them is to point them in the right direction. And this is the right direction. So go pick it up. Um, I hope you got some value out of this podcast. Make sure you leave a rating and review on iTunes. It helps, again, spread the message and keep getting it out there. Give me a follow while you're at it on Instagram at Daniel Yoris. And that's that. Love you guys. Um, Take it easy. We'll talk soon.